Welcome back to the We're Gen back. Z Hockey Podcast, guys. Um, we just okay. So this is gonna be kind of odd for you guys. We're gonna play the audio of the interview right now, and then we'll have we'll talk about after the interview and just uh, the interview with uh, Lucas, not Lucas, Anthony Scandrel, and Sandra. Uh, so uh, I want to introduce uh, to the listeners Anthony Sc- Scandra. Is that how you Scandra. pronounce it? Scandra? Okay. Uh, he's the associate editor at uh, Die by the Blade and uh, Expected Buffalo and co-host of the Blue to Blue Hockey Podcast. Is that it? Yeah? Uh, be- beyond the Blade, but yeah. Beyond, oh, the, beyond blade. the Blade. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Beyond the Blade. Um so we have him here because the Buffalo Sabres fired their GM and we just want to get his opinion and just talk about what is going on around there. So, so Anthony, be- what's happening? What's happening over in Buffalo? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot going on, guys. Um, yesterday was kind of dubbed as Red Tuesday. And, uh, you know, it, it was like the Red Wedding for the Sabres, except like in this case that we're, we weren't emotionally attached to many of the characters who got off. Um, but, yeah, it was a very interesting, unexpected day. Because, um, I mean, Jason Botterill being fired was, like, the headliner, but then they fired, like, half his scouting staff and the entire Rochester Amherst coaching staff. And this all comes, like, a week and a half after publicly saying Jason Botterill will be back next season. So all very unexpected, all very strange. And um, to add to the weirdness, they gave the job to a guy who has literally never done this in any capacity. So oh, okay. Very, yeah. very that so was before, that was crazy to me. Is how like he's but wasn't he a part of the organization as uh, some as a, a higher up position? Yeah, he was. It was it was like a weirdly undefined role, but he was like he was an executive at Pagula Sports, and uh, he was kind of the guy they'd send out to the media to, uh, I guess, break bad news. So it was a little bit a little bit of a weird transition i guess but he, he is obviously a former hockey player um he's been with the organization for some time and you know we'll, we'll see what happens i guess okay i just want to get like before uh jason butterall got fired what was your expectation of what the buffaloes were going to do oof um not much in terms of like how well they'd perform next season um poorly they're in a weird spot, right, where this offseason is is extremely critical. They have a lot of guys coming off the books, um, mostly forwards. I think they've only got four forwards under contract for next year. And so to, not only is it is it tough for a new GM to come in in a regular, you know, set of circumstances, right, but you've got a delayed, potentially expedited offseason where he's got a lot of contracts to work out, a lot of guys to make decisions on, and he's under a lot of pressure because this team's rocking a nine-year playoff drought. Yeah, okay. So well, if I'm going to put it in perspective, us as Leafs fans, we have been dying to, to make it farther in the playoffs. Would you say that it would be fair for Sabres fans to, feel, to be in the same position as the Leafs? Oh, God, I would trade our position for the Leafs every day of the week, <laughs> but... um. I, I honestly think the 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 rabid dog that is the fan base right now would completely back off with like two first round exits. Like I think just getting the monkey off yeah, our yeah. back would would help to an extent. Um, but yeah, are they in worse situation than Leaves? Oh my God, yes. Okay. Yeah. So so what is the plan moving forward in your opinion? Is it a rebuild or is it like a 
a rebuild on the fly or like is it just what is it yes to all the above no um so <laughs> in the in the uh press conference yesterday the owners were, were pretty vehement saying that you know they didn't feel this was another rebuild which was kind of a weird sentiment as like everybody's being walked to the guillotine i mean they're firing half the organization and they're like we're not rebuilding though it's like yeah, yeah okay. okay are you sure um but uh, it's gonna be interesting because i mean the pressure is on right i mean i mean the, the fan base is very fed up they're not filling seats which buffalo i mean i'm not sure if you guys were you know I guess in, in tune to it back then, but in 05, 06, when, when they were making, you know, deep conference championship runs, you couldn't, you couldn't get a ticket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the games were sold out every night. And, you know, Lucas and I actually have sat next to each other at a Sabres game before. And yeah, it was like 70% full, which was like, you know, pretty standard at this point for a weekend game. Um, so yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And so to answer your question, I think a rebuild on the fly might be the way to word it. I kind of, I kind of like how you put that. Um, that they, they can't start from scratch again. I mean, oh my God, if if the fan support situation is bad now, I mean, trying to sell them on another three years of this is just never going to fly. So, it, but then you go back to the fact that Kevin Adams is doing like two off seasons worth of work, and you just fired half his staff, and you want him to make this a playoff team in short order. Good luck with that. I don't, I don't know. So I have uh, I have two things. One's an observation. The other is, uh, is another question. So going back to how we how we met each other, which was um, which was which was at a Sabres game. Um, I my dad and I got tickets at noon that day, that Saturday for a 7 p.m. game. That is unheard of here in Toronto. I'm sure you can't you can't get tickets unless like you know someone who is who is super wealthy and got them two weeks in advance sure. so that's what to me was the the craziest part and to hear that you know they're getting 70 percent capacity is is so crazy yeah <laughs> and yeah so i guess my and my question this is my that was my observation so my question is we've been talking about on our last couple of shows how s- some people might see that maybe this might be a locker room issue or a Jack Eichel issue. Do you see it that, do you think you could see it that way? Or do you think just the organization has been in a total free fall for the last few years? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely not a Jack Eichel issue. I mean, I'm, I'm, I say it all the time. I'm like five or six years older than him and I cannot fathom having his level of maturity through all this. I I'd have asked out years ago. Um, no, he's he's been he's been fantastic by all accounts, and it, it doesn't seem it seemed like the locker room thing, you know, the rumor whatever, kind of went away when Ralph Kruger became the head coach. It seems like culturally, right, they, their communication and, and kind of the, just the locker room morale seemed better, right? But th- that's again the kind of thing that winning cures all, right? And and at the end of the day, the Sabers just aren't talented enough, and you know you can't put that on the players. And as much as people like to joke, Jack Eichel's our GM, he's not, and you know. He, uh, he can't fix this problem by himself. I mean, shoot, he put together a Hart Trophy caliber, caliber year this year, and it still didn't matter. It's a 2014 playoff that they didn't make. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely on management. I mean, without question. And, and you know, to your, <laughs> to your point about the, you know, the, the contrast of Leaf ticket availability and Sabres, I was talking to two uh, Canadian, Montreal Canadiens fans at a Sabres-Canadians game 
and they said they could travel to Buffalo, buy tickets, and stay in a hotel room three times over for the cost of one ticket to a Canadiens game. And I, that just blew my mind. That's it's, it's similar it's crazy. Both, both franchises, Toronto. yeah, both franchises. Just the tickets are just out out of this world. That that's like bananas. For, for two for two kids like us, like we we there's no way we can afford them by ourselves. Sure. Yeah. Um, with the GM change, uh, is there I don't know speculation, but like just uh, or just uh, uh, think or people are thinking that there might be a coaching change. No. Um. So there there I think maybe when the news first dropped, that was a thought, or maybe Ralph Kruger would move into a front office role, but um. He was heavily involved in the uh, press conference that took place after. And, yeah, change it. head coach does not seem like it's going to be happening. Okay. That sounds good. Do the Pagulas need to do something in any way just to change oh, the God. culture? Or, or... The, the Pagulas are in this mode where – and to give you a little background, right, for, for the listeners who, who may not be you know, aware, and I kind of take these facts for granted you know, cause I'm talking to Sabres fans all the time. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, they know it. Um, the Pagoulas came in, they had a famous line, right. And, and he's, he's a guy worth $5 billion, right. That's his net worth. And he said, if I want more money, I'll drill another oil well. Like I'm not in this to make money. I'm in this to make this, to win multiple Stanley cups. Well, that tune has kind of changed. And uh, now it seems like they're just shedding assets and trying to cut costs. And, you know, similar to how it was under the Sabres last owner, Tom Galistano, it seems like they're now a budget team, which was, if you'd have told us that 10 years ago when people bought the team, we'd have laughed at you, but that's where we're at. Right. Um, but there are things that aren't really uh, money preclusive. Let's say that they can be doing right. Fan fan engagement is zero. It's terrible. Um, the 50th season celebration was, couldn't have been botched harder. Uh, they missed deadlines for the throwback jerseys that just never happened. And, it was, it was just a nightmare, right? So from a sheer PR standpoint, yeah, the Pagulas and, and everyone below them needs to do more. Um, in terms of the product on the ice, uh, I'd like to see them get more hockey people, right, experience in the front office to kind of guide them. But if you listen to uh, 31 Thoughts from Elliot Friedman yesterday, that seems to be the opposite approach they're taking, where they're looking for non-hockey people to run the front office, which is mind-boggling. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's like if a bunch of clowns jammed into the clown car, but, like, they didn't fit, and then just, like, sad music played after. I don't know. I don't know really how to describe it. It's not great, guys. I understand, I, I understand that. Uh, I understand that. That's, that's very good. Mark, that is the weirdest analogy I've ever come up with, but, like, very, I don't know. <laughs> very, very good. Um, so, an another thing. I think that the Bagulas 1,000% changed the entire culture of the Bills. And I know that because my dad is a, my dad's a pretty big Bills fan, and mm -hmm. just being in Toronto, we get all the Bills games. And they sure. this this year had a pretty had a pretty good year. Do you think that he can in some way emulate what what he did there to this to the Sabres team? Um, uh, sadly, I don't. So the Bills' success has come kind of as a result of two things. Uh, Terry Pagula has very much prioritized them uh, and has therefore, you know, committed the assets to making them good. And I think we're all pretty aware the NFL is a tenfold bigger moneymaker than the NHL is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, you know, from a business standpoint, like I get it. Right. But at the same time, people like to forget that he got extraordinarily lucky where he interviewed Sean McDermott as the head coach and 
he was enamored with Sean McDermott's background as a high school wrestler. And like, that was what gave him the gut feeling. He'd be a good head coach. Yeah. Your face says it all. What? Um, oh yeah. And so Sean McDermott just happened to know a guy who was an assistant GM in Carolina at the time who turned out to be a phenomenal general manager, basically told Pagula, Hey, give you know, th- this is who I'd like, you know, you, you to consider for GM, which was, which was Brandon happened, Bean, which is Brandon Bean. Yes. And he's been phenomenal. So, they kind of fell back asswards into the Bills' success. And I'm going to tell you one other thing. They're about one or two Josh Allen interceptions away from still having a playoff drought. So if, if the Bills implode in some way, like they're on very shaky ground. And, like, Bills Mafia, as you know, is, is pretty stoked on them right now. But uh, that was all sheer luck. And, you know, it, it doesn't give Sabres fans much hope saying that, but it's the reality of it. Uh, Sorry, you got a question? Yeah, moving away from the Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo like teams. I was just curious to get your opinion of the playoff format and just the NHL's like standings, like right now, like how the whole situation looks like. Yeah, I think I think I'm a little bit biased because from the beginning I was like, can we just scrap this season and just just call it call it a wash or like just you know award the President's Trophy and be done with it because like this is dumb. But again, like my team's not in it, so that's a super biased opinion to have. Um, but no, but you know, in looking at it, I think it's pretty cool. Um, for expected Buffalo, our our new website, where actually because the Sabers aren't in it, uh, each of us has kind of adopted a uh, team in the East and a team in the West, and we did that based on you know our fans' vote, and we'll be kind of covering those teams in the playoffs while our team golfs. Uh, so, in that respect, I. Guess, I'm excited for it. Um, you know, I really like Columbus. I'm, they're they're kind of like a low tier, low tier, um, like second team of mine. Yeah, uh, and and also I don't uh, like Columbus. You know, I like Colorado. I'm sorry, Colorado was actually my Stanley Cup pick uh, this year from the West. I had them going up against Boston, which you're gonna boo me again. Boo! Um, but <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's. it's exciting I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out because it could either be really fun and cool or a complete dumpster fire so it'll be neat okay um uh, this is a, like this is a question for me personally because i'm gonna start writing articles for six buzz if you know what that okay. is and uh, uh, I, I think just, i've heard of them yeah i was just curious about like uh how you like approach a story and like just how you go about writing like articles well, one of the things, so I've been, I've been writing it for, for, you know, different websites and in and, and different capacities, right. Since I was 15. And so there, a lot of learning took place there. Cause I'm, I'm 29 now. And, uh, the thing I learned the most. There he is. We're back. Yeah. Hey, sorry. Yeah. I got, I got dropped in, in the middle of the, of, um, but, uh, I think, I think I was talking about proofreading. Uh, no, just just so writing. Off. We we kind of we kind of dropped right as he said, like, uh, you know, what's your insight on on chasing a story? That was kind of where where we dropped or just, you. Or just how how you pick a story and just how you go from the, like how you go from writing or how you go okay. like into writing a story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's a mix of of kind of what you're interested in and uh, what you think your readers would find interesting, I guess. Uh, um, so in, in one sense, like, uh, you know, I, 
I don't want you want to avoid being clickbaity. I mean, that's that's huge, obviously. Um, but at the same time, you, you want to be interesting, right? You want to uh, appeal to as wide of an audience as you can, right? Because that's how how you you know progress and that's how you keep building a following. So, um, when I'm picking a specific story, you also kind of have to read the mood of of the fan base. You know, I mean, read the room a little bit. Yep. Um, we're like today after everything that happened. If I came out and like wrote an article saying like here's how they could use marcus johansson on the power play it's like who the hell cares like nobody's play right so so you know it's it's a little bit of a of gut feeling a little bit mixed with you know knowing the perception of of kind of what people are interested in hearing about um i'm very fortunate uh because i i've you know been around people who are who are deep into analytics and that's still a thing that uh folks are are largely trying to get their heads around yeah and, and i think there's interest there so um you know i've been i was kind of fortunate enough to get in sort of early in that phase i guess of of hockey so um but yeah in, in terms of being discerning about your topics yeah that that's critical all right hey, anthony thank you so much last question before before we let you go by the way this has been a sure. this has been a, so much fun and i thanks for coming on so yeah happy to do it last question Will the Sabres spend money on a forward or a defenseman this offseason? Ooh, um, well, a forward that they kind of almost have to, unless they're planning on jamming Dylan Cousins in as their second line center, which, uh, as we saw with Casey Middlestat, is not a good method for success. Um, 19 year old and second line center are things that usually don't mesh very well. Um, so, so they kind of have to in that regard, and, and it kind of ties into the to, to the other part of your question there on the defense. They've got, um, I don't know if I want to say a surplus, but they have more assets on defense. So trading someone like Rasmus Ristolainen or, or Brandon Montour in pursuit of, of forward help is, is what they should theoretically do. Um, do I think they'll add another defenseman? Probably not, um, but I do think they will leverage one of the ones they have into help up front for sure, and they have to. I mean, the Sabres offense is atrocious. I mean, it, it was one of the – aside from Detroit, you can argue it was the worst in the league last year. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was if bad. you're anywhere with it Detroit, that's, that's really bad. Just, just yeah, to... well, let me, let me say this. Let me, let me clarify. Detroit was in a league of their own in that regard. But if you yes. subtract Detroit from the equation, you, you could make that argument. They, they were – Yes, miles and miles worse than even us. So, but okay. yeah, that, that's a, that's a, they 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 rival the Sabers 2014-15 tank team. I mean, that was just abysmal. Um, just to add to that question, how's the goaltending situation look like in Buffalo? So, I actually wrote an article on that um, last week. I'm I'm a little bit higher, admittedly, on Linus Allmark than I think your average you know fan analyst whatever would be, right? Um, he's young, he's 26. And as everybody knows at this point, goalies take longer to cook, right? So even, even at 26, your goalie could still be developing. And if you look at the progress he made from last season, which was his quote unquote rookie year in the NHL to this season, I mean, he was leaps and bounds better. So as of right now, he's probably average to slightly below average as a starting goalie, but I see him getting better. Um, the problem the Sabres have though, is that Carter Hutton, and it was reported last week he was battling vision problems all last year, which is insane how he was even on the ice. Uh, but even if he gets back to how he looked in, in 2018-19, his first year in Buffalo, it's not good enough, even for a backup. I mean, he's pretty routinely ranked among 
some of the, the, the worst backups in the league. I think metrically, in terms of uh, goal saved above expectation last year, only four goalies in the league were, were worse than him. So um, he, he's had a rough go. So I would be very, very open. My, my personal thought is um, if they're looking to, to spend a similar amount of money, uh, approaching someone like Aaron Dell in, in free agency is, is, I think, their best bet. Okay. Awesome. Uh, thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, Where thanks, can the dude. listeners find you? Yeah, um, they can find me on Twitter at Chandra Sports. That's S C I A N D R A Sports. Um, you can find me at Die by the Blade on SB Nation and our new site, expectedbuffalo.com, which is just xbuffalo.com. Not a dirty site. It is hockey analytics, I promise. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been a blast talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah. you know, while I'll be rooting against you in the playoffs, no, no ill will. No ill will. Just to let you know, you are our first guest for the podcast, so congratulations. And congratulations. Okay. I'd like to thank Anthony for coming on. Um, he was a great uh, – he gave us a lot of insight about the Buffalo Sabres and just how everything's going on there and just the situation that's in the, in the city and just around, around the whole ownership and just how the team is perceived. So – um, you have anything to like add to that or no, or we can we move on. I just, I didn't know. It's what, it's another thing where it's like, you know, we just, we're, we don't follow those teams. I knew it was yeah. bad. The way he made it sound, he made it sound like it was bad. Like it was yeah. worse than we thought it was. So I don't, I don't have much to add more than just like, I learned that it was worse than I expected. Yeah. Um, so, uh, hockey news, uh, Ryan Reeves from Vegas gets a two-year contract for two point two five, I think. Uh no, it, it was it was two years. I think one seven five was the was the number. Okay, one second. Uh, I'll try to find. Three. So okay, whether it's one seven five or it's two point two five, whatever it was. D- Ryan Reeves deserves almost two million dollars. Like, uh, I get it. He's a fan favorite in Vegas, and he's he's one of those guys that sticks up. One point seven yes. five. Okay, so yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. But I, I as soon as I saw that, I was like, really? <laughs> for for a fourth line guy, you're gonna pay you're gonna pay him pay him one point seven five million dollars for someone who's for someone who isn't even who isn't even a or who who fights. He's just a. Uh, chips in every now and then and sticks up for his teammates. And I love Ryan Reeves. Yeah. I think he's I think he's a great he's he's one of those like I would love him on the leaps for a million bucks or for like yeah. so Sal- like minimum sap uh, yeah so, something like something like that. And it, people people were talking about how wherever it was rumored that um uh Kyle Clifford was going to get two, 2 million bucks for 3 years. Yeah. And people lost their minds. That's not going to happen. It's it's not going to happen. But this this contract is pretty similar to what was to what was given to what was what what people came up with with uh, Kyle Clifford for a similar guy. Yeah, but I'd say uh, Ryan Reeves is like even. I think he's a better uh, Kyle Clifford. Slightly. Slightly, yeah, I guess. But you like, can find, I, yeah, I don't know. You can find Ryan Reeves' point production in the AHL is within an AHL player. 
yeah, yeah. Is, is what I'm is what I'm saying. But I think he's like you need good locker room people, and I think he's one of those like locker room people that like just keeps everyone like happy and like he's basically like Jack Campbell for our for the Leafs, and he he nobody's does, Jack Campbell. He does lay out people and beat the crap out of people not sometimes. Even, I'm, so and I'm I'm not saying that he's not he's not good at what he does. I just don't think that for what his role is that he deserves almost $2 million, especially yeah, for someone who's point. like 30, 30, whatever, something like, I think he's like 32 or 33. See, but like, I don't think that contract's that bad. I think that like, he's like, he's like, I like Vegas. I want to stay here. So just give me like whatever you offer me. And actually, I think I if that's what it was, then I think Vegas, that's... I think Vegas started way too high. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I don't know. But like the thing is they can't give him like a three-year contract. Because who knows what? Because he's gonna have a hard drop off. Like, just oh, he's gonna be being, one of those players where, yeah, once it's gonna be, it's it's like it's gonna be like the Leviathan with him, where it's just like, and yeah. boom, eighty degree drop, you know? Yeah, and so, then he he's not gonna be, able be to off the face of the earth. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's that horrible, but I I wouldn't I personally wouldn't have signed him to that to to that much money. I personally he, wouldn't have signed him to. Like, yeah, I think to, to what to what he got. Yeah, I think um, it would have been worse if the term. It would have been worse if the term was three years. If the term was three years, it would have been worse. Yeah, it would have been way worse. His last contract was uh, two point seven seven five million. So it's a, a it's almost half. It's of the, yeah. Thing. It's almost a million a million dollars less. Yeah, which I think it, he should have got like one twenty five. 1.25 million like i don't like, yeah I wouldn't, I, because then you can just bury it in the, in the uh, minus, ahl yeah. if he's terrible mm-hmm. um and but but what those players those players that, like, said matt martin for a couple of years yeah. yeah yeah and how he was that locker room guy and then just out of nowhere he just wasn't he just wasn't on the team like they just scratched him and he wasn't playing that was a Babcock decision, but yeah, that was a Babcock decision that everyone screamed at him at him to do because like yeah. he just wasn't fitting in on the team, which which in a way was the right thing to do. I'm I'm worried that that's what's going to turn into Ryan Reeves. His whether it's this next year or the year after that, halfway through the season, they're just going to realize, yeah, he can't play hockey anymore. Yeah, but like, would you want that kind of person as a, like for the for a playoff run? Just to have him as a spare body and just someone that can knock someone out. I, I would need him to score points. I would need him to score me points in order to uh in order to to do something, you know? Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't know. I think it's fine. Like Vegas f- somehow became a salary cap like to the edge of the salary cap team. And yes somehow also they had all these picks and all these like things and somehow they came to the salary cap and if it wasn't for the Leafs they'd be screwed so mm. I, I don't know what also if I'm gonna be honest it's Vegas is one of those teams where it's like who cares we yeah <laughs> we're, a t- we're a top five team in the west we we don't care spend all the money yeah, you know but eventually so, it's gonna I, I understand it in that eventually it's gonna butt you in the ass yeah exactly um so uh, something came out with Seattle. I read that they're 
their announcing of the uh, uh, announcing of the team and like logo is gonna is put on indefinitely, and uh, definitely like leave uh, or wait because because of all the chaos and just everything that's going on around the um, around the pandemic, pandemic yeah, and just around the NHL have like there's chaotic and the whole protests and everything. So I. I understand why they did it, but I'd kind of want to know what the Seattle team would like would be named. Would, would because be? then, uh, the the name that was that was leaked wasn't that bad. It was like the Kraken or or something. Oh yeah, and then they that can name do was pretty pur- cool. Yeah, and then they can go like purple and black and gold. Yeah, the the name that my dad wants was like is like the totems because like I think Seattle when they had an NHL team in like the twenties or whatever they were yeah. called the totems, but no, I, I, I thought the Kraken was a better was a better choice. I think they're gonna go with like the Kraken. People were saying that like they they should have colors like uh like the Va- Va- uh, Vancouver, but then like the two teams are right beside each other and that would be kind of yeah. dumb where they have the same colors. So I think they're gonna go with like the gold Vegas Golden Knights, but instead of gold, they'll go purple. They'll be the Seattle Purple Knights. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Seattle Purple Knights versus the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah, I'm just checking. I mean. Every day we get it. Almost it almost seems like though days are going by slowly. I every day I'm just like NHL's a little closer. NHL's a little closer. NHL's a little closer. And I just I know that when August hits, it's gonna take a while. It's gonna be really. It's gonna be really long. It's gonna be a month and a half of just nothing. But when like all sports come back, it's gonna be nothing. Nothing but your your TV will just have sports every single day just basketball and hockey and it's gonna be yeah. fantastic it's gonna be um one second i just want to like figure out when the draft lottery is uh i think they said the 20 it was the 28th so, something like late like june 20 something june 26th june 26th okay so that's, so that's, uh, that's a week from today nine, nine days away oh wait so like two weeks uh, uh, less than two weeks a, a week and a bit a week and a bit away so from then we're gonna figure out like uh, what the standings and just how everything looks. It's gonna like get confusing stuff. if one like if one like uh, playoff no. team yeah it uh, gets a top three gets, gets a lottery. But if it's one of yeah. those seven teams, then that's just how it is. Like yeah, if we're gonna be honest, there's it's gonna be it's gonna be Detroit. Yeah. Like they actually, I was thinking about it like. Ottawa and Detroit have basically the same amount of odds when it comes to Ottawa might have better the... odds. Actually, now that I think of it, Ottawa might have better odds because like if you combine both they have of two. their yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know. I kind of want Ottawa to get it so that they can not become shit and then they can sell the team and then But if I'm going to be honest, Ottawa's going to get it and they're going to find a way to screw it up anyways because that's just what Ottawa does. I know I know that they're going to do it because Every day they find a way to screw up something. Um. So about that, like the Ottawa story. Apparently, the Ottawa uh, Ottawa Sun did like a retraction and like apologized for the whole article. And I just didn't understand what was going. Like, I I don't know if you like looked into it, but like I am glad you mentioned that, my friend, because guess who saved it? 
in their in their Twitter yesterday because I'm a smart boy. So this from the Ottawa Sun. It's uh, it's a very very long article, and I'll try to I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. It just says correction and apology. Uh, it's a it's basically just that an apology from the Ottawa Sun to Eugene Melnick uh, after the columns by Rick Gibbons on June 5th entitled split between senators and Sens foundation boils down to money and one on June 8th with the headline Melnick tussle with Sens foundation could be a messy one. The Ottawa sun became aware of errors that caused us to review both columns based on that review. We wanted to address the following issues. The June 5th column incorrectly inflated the amount of Ottawa senators charged the set uh sorry incorrectly inflated the amount the ottawa senators charged the senators foundation for rent in fact the ottawa senators charged the foundation seventy eight thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars in rent for 2019 the senators say they are required by law to charge rent because of the arm's length structure of the foundation and the rent charged was below market the team also said they are required to charge the other expenses, including human resources, information, technology, and the administrative costs. I'm going to stop right there because that's not the end, but just, just, we'll, we'll, we'll it talk gives you about. an idea of what it is. So it just seems, it just seems like their, their mistake was that their numbers were wrong slightly. Yeah. And then, but like the whole issue was that, only like five five percent of what every dollar that was donated went to the actual foundation, and that's and, terrible. And I, like... I I heard that like there was, I think it was like an, an Ottawa writer raised <laughs> raised uh so much more money just by himself on like a a GoFundMe page raised yeah. so much more money than the actual foundation did because of the five percent um situation. So, and as so I think, I think here's when I talk about it, uh, June 8th column referred to information in a Canada revenue agency filing that indicated the organ project, a private foundation started by Eugene Melnick donated $5,000 to a kidney foundation in 2018. However, the organ project told the son that its core mandate was not to distribute money to other charities, but to spend raised on activities aimed at promoting organ awareness and registration. The charity also said that it engaged other charitable work, including raising money to spend on promotion, uh, promoting public awareness of organ donation, hosting several galas, and creating commercials and other activities that were not reflected in the Ottawa Sun's original story. So it seems as though they, their their mistake was that they didn't properly properly show what it was actually representing which was which was you know the charitable work and the showing the that it was towards the organ the organ foundation that were setting up meets and and galas and and other things along along uh those lines uh the the sun spoke with several sources who spoke on conditional uh sorry condition and 
anonymity and claimed Eugene Melnick has advocated for the SENS Foundation to support organ donation awareness and that they believed he perceived the foundation to be an extension of the franchise. This information should have been uh, attributed to those sources. Eugene Melnick and the senators both say they respected the independence of the foundation at all times and strenuously deny it. The, they directed the organization to divert the, their funds and other yeah so that's the issue that comes from the whole to unravel that that that, that issue happened yeah so that's the whole issue with the article is that they were saying that they weren't doing anything, but the 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 issue was um, that he was trying to get his hands into the foundation, which legally he shouldn't be doing, or he which should just he legally shouldn't be doing. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's one more there's one more uh, there's one more paragraph, but I think we've I think we've uh, unraveled all of it. So the basic the basic is. There was, there was, there were some mistakes, but I think that most of the story still is somewhat relevant and somewhat true in the fact of Eugene was getting way too involved in something that he shouldn't be getting involved in. Yeah. That he, exactly. Okay. He should, he should be getting involved somewhat in, you know, shake a few hands, you know, uh, you know, clink some glasses at some, at some charity events. That's, that's no problem. Yeah, yeah. But it just seemed like he was doing so much more getting his hands and his fingerprints and everything that had to do with, with this and had to do with the organization. And that has been his problem since he took over the team in like the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else there is to talk about? I don't know. Let me just check Twitter. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, it's just you know it's it's slow news with 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 this time. Yeah, um, there's like nothing much is happening. That that's why like we don't really have anything to talk about. Um, so I'll I'm gonna pose I'm gonna pose this question to you. In when the what leaf will have the most points on the team? I. That's hard to say. Um, I think Matthews is going to come out firing. I think he's the obvious choice, but I think he's going to come out firing because he missed the 50-goal season thing, and I think he's really pissed. He's, he's not going to say it, but I think he's pissed about it because he would have – wouldn't he set, like, a record or something in, like, the Leafs organization and just everywhere in general, I guess? Yeah. Um, and I think Matthews um, – Marner definitely because he's Marner and actually honestly it's going to be complete chaos so I'm assuming like half the team is going to have a lot of points because it's just going to be pure chaos for the first like at least so, for the first series I 1000% believe it's going to be Mitch Marner and here's why in every single playoff you can go back even though they're only six six and seven games long every single playoff game Mitch Marner produced in every single in every single one of them. Yeah. He does show up in the playoffs. Yeah. You can talk about whether or not he takes, you know, his breaks or whatever in, in the regular season. When the playoffs hit, Mitch Marner shows up. Yeah. I think last year, last year in the first game, he scored two goals. Uh, he was 
playing he was playing amazing and then he did like the dive blocking save yeah yeah in the game four i think uh game three game three three, block you block that and you know yes austin matthews scores a lot of goals but mitch marner racks up points in the playoffs he produces uh he in in both boston series played very well offensively and racked up a ton of points on whatever line he was playing on and that's why i believe that mitch mitch is going to have the the best the best series because he out of all the play out of all the players has shown up in all three playoffs austin definitely showed up last year i think I think Austin Matthews had six goals in seven games in the playoffs. In the playoffs, yeah, losses. yeah, R- ridiculous. Just, yeah. just like you know, how, how, yeah. But the year before, he had a very, very quiet playoff. Yeah, but then again, the year before, so, they got they got shot like sh- in the first two games. They just got destroyed. It was like six one and seven yeah, they two got, or they something. Got like fucking, that. They got fucking blown destroyed. out. Like that's like yeah, like that's that like that happened. But it, but even next five games he scores one goal. Yeah, that's and a good point. That's that's my point. But you know, last year he's last year he was on fire. He he played yeah. amazing. But Mitch has showed up every single playoff, and that's why I find that he is going to be the one to lead lead Leafs in points. And however far they go, I don't I don't know what what I don't know what destiny holds for this team. But we all yeah. we always know that they don't like us. Yeah, but. I I really in my heart of hearts feel that Mitch Marner is gonna gonna produce and the and those assholes on Twitter who said that Marner was an overpaid bum are gonna come out. Oh, I fucking love this kid. Yeah. One thing I'm worried about though is Freddie. I am not. I okay. So here, hear me out. So it's we hopefully we don't get October Freddie because if we do, we're not going anywhere. Actually, we have Jack Campbell, so never mind. We might not go anywhere. I, I think, no, even if we have October Freddy, that, like, that's, that's concerning. Even if we have Jack Campbell and, and we have October Freddy, it's, yeah. it's concerning. But, but he's going to be as, he- uh, as healthy as he can possibly be, so that's good. That's why I don't, I'm not worried. One thing, I'm not worried about it, but, like, one thing that could affect him is him not, like, practicing or not getting any games in, but... They're gonna start practicing and but they're gonna start practicing soon. Like like we saw like we saw like they're they're practicing and yes in yeah. bunches, but they are actually practicing. Yeah, yeah. And sooner or later we're gonna have we're gonna have guys on guys on the ice. Like we're gonna have big groups of people. Friday's yeah. gonna get in a lot of raps. And I and I really believe that he's gonna be uh he's gonna be there and he's gonna be, you know, you know, March, April, April yeah. Freddie, which and even in Every game last year in the playoffs, aside from Game Seven, he was phenomenal. Like yeah. he, you gave gave your team a, excuse me, you gave your team a chance to win as a goaltender. Freddie did that every game except for Game Seven, and it yeah. Just, but then of again, course, of course, it was that one game. Game Seven, no one else showed up either. Oh, so so. Funny. Like you so can't really funny. blame it on him. No one else showed up uh, either. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna vent. I'm gonna vent for a second. Go for it, bud. Leading up to that game, I had no confidence whatsoever. I knew deep down in my fucking soul that this game was going to be an utter piece of garbage. And I hate the fact that I'm always right. I knew leading into that fucking game 
that there would be no chance of this team ever doing something. Sure enough, fucking Jake Gardner's missing missing assignments, passing it to passing it to no one. No one's picking up man's Mike Babcock sitting off some Matthews Zach in the third Hyman. period. And the Bruins are running circles around the fucking team. Zach Hyman and I'm, is playing with I was so Zach Hyman's playing with a broken fucking ACL and trying to kill penalties. Yeah. Oh, but you know, it's hard work and determination. Shut your shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I oh I knew I knew that they were I knew that they were boned. The second that they lost that that sixth game when they were up one nothing and it looked like they were gonna like they were gonna win, I knew they were boned when they lost yeah. that stupid game six on a, a Sunday at 3 p.m. because why should anything go my way? And then they go to Boston and they get their assholes yeah. completely bleached. Uh, like, I, um, I knew that there was no chance they'd win that freaking game. And then they, they come out and they're flat as hell. The Bruins come out to a 2-0 lead. And then the second period, they play the best hockey they've ever played. It's only 2-1. And then the third period, they just laid a big turd all over center ice. All over the neutral zone, all over the, the offensive zone, all over the defensive zone. Everything was just a big wet turd, and no one knew how to skate with a fucking puck. And like, I, I have, I have hope for this for this new team. I really do because it's a different, it's a different coach, some offensively minded team. They're playing, they're playing the way they should. But if I were to just go back, could you? And just punch everyone in the face? No. no well, I'll, I'll get to that in, in, a, in a second. But I just think in that third period, if Sheldon Keefe was their coach. Yeah. If he coached for just that third period, if that was legal, you could just have you could just fire a coach and then rehire him. You you fire a coach in the third period and bring on some other coach. Yeah. And they it, they would have been just wailing away at Zidane Chara, skating them whenever they could because the guy can't the guy can barely move backwards anymore and I feel like they would have won that game but they went to that third period like they didn't even care they went into that game into that third period like they had already lost and no one decided to give a flying patoot okay I love this rant but um We've been over this a couple of times already on the podcast, and we're only like twenty something episodes in, and we've been ranting about that. I've, like that I've never actually ranted about that already. specific. I've only ranted about like, oh, uh, you know, like they lost. I never ranted about that specific game and how I knew. I knew that last year's game, they were gonna, they were gonna just lay a wet fat turd, and they did. I hate, yeah. I hate always it, being right. I hate being the smart one. Good. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking yeah. idiot, and I know it, and I hate being right. Um, so I forgot about this, but apparently, um, Canadian teams are being considered. Or prime minister, the prime minister said that uh, he's gonna, he's in talks with the NHL to um, have like the tournament in Canada, and he might like adjust something. So apparently, the East Eastern There's Conference nothing teams. Nothing more dumb you could do. Eastern, Confer- Eastern Conference teams are play apparently going to play in Vegas, and then whoever's uh, or wherever the Western Conference uh, playoff area is, they're going to be playing in the East. So they're going to be flipping conferences, so that no one has home, home. So that no, oh, one, so has, no one has home ice advantage. All right. Yeah. So will it be like uh, the Blackhawks will play on the East in the on the Eastern side? Is that is that what we're saying? 
Yeah, so basically Vancouver's... Okay, Vancouver let's say the hub. Vancouver's going to play in Toronto and they're going to have to win. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, so let's let's just say that um for it's not confirmed, but like let's say Toronto is the hub, all the Western Conference teams are going to come to Toronto and then all the Eastern Conference teams are going to go to Vegas, which is going to suck for every everyone because for us, if they're playing a 10 o'clock game there, that's going to be uh, tw- uh, one in the morning here. Like I just have to. Just, I don't think they're going to be playing ten o'clock games. I don't think they're going to be playing ten o'clock. I'm games. not, but I'm just or like eight o'clock games. It's going to be eleven o'clock here. Like, what else do you got to do? Yeah, that's actually a good. That's point, that's my point. Still, of, okay, but what else do you got to do? I have Everyone's other sports to watch. watch. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm so mad that the Bundesliga is over, even though I haven't watched a single game. Yeah, Anthony Davis got like. So for the listeners, he's a Canadian Alfonso, soccer player. Alfonso Davis. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure that's his name. I don't know. Alfonso Davis. Um, he like clocked in at like 35 kilometers an hour, and the fast he was the fastest in the Bundesliga. So, Canadian uh, soccer is going Canadian somewhere. Soccer legends. Yes. Yay. Um, I think that's good. I think we should wrap up. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anything no, else? I'm no? good. Okay. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for uh, Anthony for joining us and getting giving his insight on the team. If you guys want to go check it out, I'll put his link in the description for his Twitter and his podcast and stuff. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, check us out on Apple Music and uh, Spotify. Spotify. Thank you.